This episode of Probably Science is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, go to squarespace.com and use offer code PROBABLYSCIENCE. Probably Science. Welcome to Probably Science. I'm Matt Kirshen. Next to me is Jesse Case. Hello. And just to my left is Andy Wood. I am here also. We're in the back garden. We're back in the yard. We are. The neighborhood's there's, off lockdown. There's bugs around. Um, it's you, cooled off a little bit. Yeah, but you guys, you, guys, you guys missed it today. You missed the crazy shooter. Again? Oh, yeah, yeah. You what? didn't see that? No. There was a guy with an assault rifle just on a roof. <sighs> Magnolia was completely shut down. It was God, bananas, man. What's wrong with our neighborhood? It was I a, don't know. There was an axe murder a month ago. I remember the axe murder. But this guy, God. I mean, no, that was like next to Augie's house. But this was a crazy, uh, some sort of gunman. Oh. I, saw the, I saw some of the video. Is he still up there? Is it all finished now? It's all finished. They smoked him out, is what d- they is, did. D- is he alive still? He's alive. Okay. He's alive. He was pretty, like, non-violent about it. I mean, he even when he was running through the street, it just looked like that scene of, of uh, Pulp Fiction. He wasn't... So they had helicopter footage of the whole thing, or what was The that? whole thing, yeah, but he, like, it was this police chase, but then he stopped his car and got out, but just with a giant assault rifle, and he was just running up Magnolia. What? Like, what cross street? Um, this was down by that Taco Bell across from the Yum Yum. I don't know what that Colfax is. Colfax and Magnolia. Colfax, yeah. yeah. Not that far. Not that far. So they shut down uh, like a huge perimeter thing. There were SWAT teams. It was nuts, man. Wow. Okay, who's appropriating that? Who's like uh, co-opting this tragedy? What what uh, group is claiming this is their cause now? There's oh, been like five shootings in the last two weeks. It's got to be the gun people. Like that's the only thing we know so far. Maybe with a touch of the mental health people. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, are the people uh, in... Wait, what was, what was the one where they were dressed up as Batman characters? Are the people who were mad about comic books from that one? The Vegas shooters that killed five people. They dressed up like Batman people? Yeah, he dresses as the, as the Joker and she dresses as Harley Quinn. Oh, really? So maybe and cosplay is I think there was one this. in that Arizona as well as uh, yesterday. Also. God, it's bonkers. This is the worst way to start a podcast. Why are we starting with the Huge bummer. Yeah. Huge bummer. So, because uh, because it, I think it just comes down to our primate souls. It's the, uh, it's the beast hey, it within us all. There it is. There it Stuff is. has been so, pretty <laughs> apeshit lately. <laughs> Uh, and you know, obviously, there's a digestive cycle. A few hours before you go ape shit, you have to go bananas. Uh, everybody knows. Is, do they actually like bananas? We could ask this. We could ask this of a guest. This is, is an actual science. As Guys, you, as you know, as our listeners know, sometimes we have special episodes where rather than bringing a comedian on to go through the week in science news, we get people who actually know what they're talking about. We do. Um, so today we have a very special guest. He's the uh, visiting assistant project scientist at UCLA Center for Neurobehavioral, behavioral, not behavioral, doesn't matter. Uh, behavioral. In previous episodes, we discussed how you can take liberties with the syllables that you want to accent. Well, it's going to be hard on this one because we did discuss that I say chimpanzee. chimpanzee. Uh, Which really seems insulting to the chimps, doesn't it? It's I like, do say chimpanzee. Yeah. Uh, everybody that might go out of order, though. That episode might come after oh, this one. I forgot. Very weird. So, so it's a bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. So, uh, yes, uh, postdoctoral research fellow there. Um, obviously the Simmel Institute for Neuroscience and Human Behavior, obviously. a lecturer at the Department of Anthropology at uh, USC, uh, the Jane Goodall Research Center, um, uh, the Allen Hancock Foundation. Is that all the same stuff or different stuff? Oh, that's just the building address. But yeah, Jane Goodall I'm just Center reading your address. Yeah, basically. So you're not researching you Jane Goodall on a daily basis? No, no, no. Um, Christopher Schmidt, everybody. 
Yes. Christopher Schmidt. Hello. Thanks hey, for joining Chris. Us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Thanks thrill. for being here, man. Yeah. We haven't had very many zoology-related uh, people. We've had a few people in the biological sciences, but not directly. Well, I guess um, Chris Thompson was the closest we had, who'd studied we have very vocalization in, in birds. Vocalization in birds. We have, we have very little natural history chops. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is our blind spot. Like, all that I've learned from this podcast with certainty which might not even be true uh isn't it true that monkeys and apes uh the monkeys have tails and apes yes. don't okay yes. don't. that's the biggest difference nice it's good okay is that the biggest difference uh well this is the most visible difference yeah <laughs> okay so let's start with this okay animalia kingdom yes that's what we're all all that stuff yeah that's where you separate the animals there. and yes. plants right yes and then below that we got the vertebrae and vertebrae yes that's the next step wind and then mammals and then mammals, right? We have hair. We make milk. Okay, and then below that, we where we sure at? do. Sure. <laughs> and then where where are we at below that? We're the order primates. Okay, so yeah. then that's that's your primatology. That I'm you? a primatologist. Yes, yeah. so that's my specialty. So you're four down. There's no yep. just animalius. Uh, mammalius. You can, find, you can find mammalogists. Really, yeah. mammalogists are around. Um, yeah, but I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a vertebralogist or an animalist i don't know i don't sure think doesn't like it. certified mammalogists seem like a uh, like a you know sort of cheeky souvenir t-shirt you get at the beach <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like yeah. bikini inspector, bikini inspector yeah. yes. let me check your milk levels yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah. but that's the thing how did you get into primatology how did you get into science in general as a as a career uh well you know i i hated people when i was a child okay. so i spent a lot of time with our pets and animals um which included i had i had a shetland sheepdog oh cool wonderful okay. dogs love sure. them uh we had some cats we had a bird nice. a ferret uh Various gerbils and hamsters that died very quickly. That's so a menagerie. Yeah, that we is a, a lot of Now, animals. a Shetland pony is substantially smaller than a, a regular pony. Yes. yes. Is a Shetland sheepdog like a sheepdog scale down? Yeah, it's basically like a dwarf collie, more or less. Oh, All right. Yeah, it's nice. cute. Yeah. Have you guys ever been to Shetland? It's crazy over there. <laughs> it's just, it's just <laughs> really, you're like a giant. You have, to, <laughs> yeah, you have to bend down to shop places. That, 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 that stuff's full yeah. size over there. The Shetland ponies and uh, Shetland sheepdogs. Yeah, they call them ponies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those are like beasts of burden. The Shetland ponies in Shetland, <laughs> right? Like dragon plows and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Gulliver's Travels was filmed in Shetland. Oh, okay. They yeah. didn't even use any CG. It was just yeah, yeah film there. Be available. Um, so so you grew up. Uh, we talked a little on the ride here. You you grew up in um in uh, Milwaukee. Yeah, in Milwaukee. Uh, Midwest represent. Yes. Yep. Land of beer and teenage pregnancy. <laughs> sure. I didn't yeah. know the latter. Is that a big thing? <laughs> well, those, are directly, those, are, those are directly related, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They I mean, fit. Those would definitely be related. Um, so then, okay. So you don't like people. You're in high school. You basically, you have two choices, right? You, right. Can, you can become a comic. You can be on this end of the table. Right. Or go into or, the sciences. Or, yeah, do what I did and junior year, summer, go to Argentina, study howler monkeys, collect their urine in a Coke bottle sawed in half tied to a stick, and, and from there, it's... Uh, no, okay. Did anyone My tell career. you to do that? Or? <laughs> <laughs> just, I just, yeah, no, I just, I just went. stowed away on a plane <laughs> yeah. with, with a few empty Coke bottles and some spare sticks. Yeah. I originally went to find Nazis, but I, uh, <laughs> I became obsessed with collecting the urine of these howler yeah, yeah. monkeys. No, yeah, I, was, I, was, I won a scholarship uh, through the Earthwatch... Uh, Cool, man. Yeah, yeah, it was great. So I, I got to go do that for a summer, and ever since then, I've been into monkeys and their behavior. So, okay, been doing it ever since. Uh, so, it, at what point does I mean, uh, reading your credits there, it seemed to be some some anthropology involved. Yeah. 
What is the difference between anthropology and primatology, first of all? Bear in mind, I'm a total idiot. Yeah. Um, for those listening, I'm not wearing pants. Um, That's true. So, and for those listening, he has been trying to for the last hour. Just yeah. gave up. <laughs> yeah. I cannot figure this out. Um, they, they make these real complicated. Uh, so anthropology versus primatology, because mm-hmm. um, I know you, you have some anthropology background, but those seem to be fairly intertwined. Uh, yeah, yeah. So in the U.S., at least, um, you know, the history of anthropology goes all the way back to like Franz Boas and all these guys that you may have heard of more usually associated with cultural anthropology. Um, but in the U.S., it's divided into cultural, biological, linguistic, and archaeology. And those are all the four different types of anthropology. And biological anthropology is just the study of, you know, the evolution of humanity okay and since our closest evolutionary relatives are the other primates the uh, chimpanzees well chimpanzees chimpanzees and bonobos by the end of this i'm gonna get you saying chimpanzees (laughs) that's how you pronounce it chimpanzees right it's not chimpanzee or is it wait oh whoa whoa whoa. this is amazing see what i'm saying (laughs) i I say chimpanzee no you don't because in the car you said chimpanzee did I? Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. You've already broken a professional scientist <laughs> in one car journey. Wow, I was excited for you, Jesse. I thought we were all going to have to be, you know, like we were all wrong. Jesse was right. We were laughing at you, and then the chimpanzee. Maybe I am right. I mean, I'll take it. I'll, ta- I'll, ta- I'll say I'm right on that. Monkey. I will apologize. Yeah, obviously monkey. <laughs> um, gorilla. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> gorilla. Um, so, so you got into anthropology, and yeah, you... So, and then that that led you into primatology. Well, I got into anthropology because I wanted to do primates. So, like, when I was an undergrad, I was an English lit and zoology major. And so when I started doing monkeys, you know, you can't really do monkeys in a bio department in the U.S. I thought it was still illegal in the U.S. Uh, just to do monkeys in it. Well, yes, it is, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I've looked into this. It's one of his studies. Mm. (laughs) Um, But didn't uh, Desmond Morris was... Or he's still alive, I think. I just Googled him. Um, he's a zoologist who wrote the famous book, The Naked Ape. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So isn't that sort of like a I mean, it depends on zoological what, approach to anthropology? I mean, it depends it on opposite? what inroad you're taking. Because like, yeah. if, if you like, so, so if you're going to do behavioral ecology, you go through um, typically an anthro department. You can also go through like E3B, like evolutionary biology programs as well. Mm. Um, but if you're coming at it from like a molecular perspective, you can get in there from biology, biochem, like, you know, it okay. all depends on what aspect of the system you're studying. But if you want to study like the whole organism, you typically go through biological anthropology. Okay. So you wanted to work with monkeys. You had monkey fever. Yes. You I wanted did. to. And what, what, what about that? What, what drew you to that? Um, Aside from, I mean, I know the collecting urine sounds awesome. Like, it sounds uh, yeah. like that's probably... What was the purpose of the urine collecting? Uh, well, it was, uh, I was in a field assistant on a study that was looking at infanticides. So, you know, sometimes it's not just in monkeys, but uh, in a lot of species, including mm-hmm. humans. Um, you know, individual like males typically will kill babies. And, you know, there's a hypothesis about it, the sexually selected infanticide hypothesis that says that they're killing those babies because when the females are breastfeeding them, uh, it's basically shutting down their ovulation. So if a new male is in that group and he sees that there's a baby and he's coming from outside the group, he can be fairly sure it's not his. The best tactic for him in order to pass on his genes is to kill that baby. Uh, and so it, the mother will stop. The, so the female will start cycling again, yeah. And so... Um, what we were doing is in the species we were studying, black and gold howlers, they commit infanticide quite a bit because there's group takeovers that happen and then males kill the babies. Are those, and, those are called troops? 
Yes, troops. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so and we how were, big is a holler monkey troop? Uh, within that, it varies by species, but in that species, um, it ranged anywhere from just a male and a female dyad up to group of like 15 or so and that individuals. Still, but that would still be one alpha and then but still yeah. couples within that in holler monkeys you typically just have one dominant male who's monopolizing all the matings and there'll be secondary males that maybe help him maintain his monopoly and maybe get like matings on the side but typically wow. it's the dominant male that gets all of the pregnancies because he is keeping track of the females when they're ovulating and he's the one that gets them when they're at that prime So like he's the period. rock star and the others are like the roadies. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Cast off. So, you know, sometimes like a really low female will just kind of slink off and have sex with them, but it's never a good deal. Wow. See, that yeah. seems a bit slut-shaming. Like, why did that female have to be low? No, no, it's her choice. <laughs> no, yeah, no, that's true. I shouldn't have said that. Like, it's actually, um, we're understanding now, like, this is a good point, actually. Like, you know, historically... Anthropology has been, you know, a little bit sexist. People are like, oh, dominant males are amazing and they get all the matings and, mm. you know, they control their access Wait, to I, females. But females can, you know, they can exert their own choice. You mean guys in boots, pith helmets, and monocles <laughs> have been a little sexist in the past? I know, right? It's but surprising, I guess that, right? that is true. You would be, it, it'd be almost impossible not to view their activities through the lens of your your era society and yeah. your era's attitudes. No, I mean, this is Sweet the thing. monocle. Through your sweet monocle. Yeah, right? Through the, <laughs> the monocle. sweet yeah, monocle. Of do you wear a pith helmet in the field ever? When I was a lifeguard, I wore a pith helmet. I have never worn one since then. Andy was a lifeguard. Wait, hold on a second. What is a pith helmet? Oh, <laughs> just for shade, I guess? The same reason yeah, I assume that mailmen wear it? We were talking about mailmen and why they would be wearing pith well, helmets. They look like they're on safari. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it's the, <laughs> like if it's just for shade, you can just get a big floppy hat. You don't need the protection. You don't need, you don't need the hard helmet. For being a mail carrier, yeah, yeah you can wear a floppy one, presumably. Presumably, you probably could. Yeah, yeah. so but then he wouldn't look as manly. Yeah, <laughs> there is a sort of alpha mailman that you want to have. That you <laughs> want to be, yeah. you be the alpha mailman. Of course. <laughs> so, uh, so again, infanticide, but you're collecting urine. Yeah, where's the connection? Uh, we're trying to figure out. Uh, you know, when the females, whether they're cycling when they have these infants, uh, like, because, you know, at that point, we oh, were so still unsure about that. So it's a fertility test, effectively. Effectively. And also, you know, sometimes females give up on babies as well. Right. Uh, so we wanted to figure out when females were giving up on babies, was it because they'd started cycling again and they didn't want to take care of it? Like, what, what how is, where's the link there? No, they, and when that happens, that's, of course, when they, they drop them off at the Holler Monkey Firehouse, mm-hmm. Fire Station. <laughs> they're legally kind of. required to take them in. Yeah. You're legally required to drop them off at the Holler Monkey. Well, it's more station. like they just kind of drop them off the branch and then and they die on the ground underneath them. So they don't even eat them. It's not as if they suddenly view them as, as food. Like it's not a natural thing for any species to eat its its own. I mean, that, food, that, right? was, a, that was a debate for a while. Like uh, Some people weren't convinced by the sexual selection hypothesis. This yeah. was first put forward by Sarah Blaffer-Hurdy, who's a great biologist, great anthropologist. Course, love her work. Love her yeah. work. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there are other people that weren't convinced. They thought it was, um, you know, just psychosis or like a mental mm-hmm. disorder that the animals were doing this uh, and other people thought oh it's because they're eating meat they want meat so they kill the baby and eat the meat um, and my dad's friends thought it was planning their takeover <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you man keep an eye on them Jesse they're coming <laughs> I've seen the movies, man. It's Charlton Heston, man. He's <laughs> it's the Statue of Liberty, the whole town. The whole town. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah. So, but, but no, no. We we generally accept that the uh, sexually selected explanation is right. But we do, you know, chimpanzees will sometimes eat the corpse afterwards. There's some baboons that have eaten the corpse in in times of just hardship with, when they're when they can't find food otherwise. Well, or? that's the thing. Like, we don't really have a correlation for when they do this. Oh, okay. So it's just you know, kind of random so whether. How do you persuade them to pee into the bottle? 
Uh, well, with howler monkeys, it's easy because they do latrine-style urinating in the morning. So when really? they wake up, they all just let it all go. So you just have to find the group and then stand underneath them and just wait for them to start peeing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, it's, so it's, is it kind of like how it's sort of hard to get your stream going sometimes when you're at a, at a, a row of urinals in public? Of course. Until of course. there's some other sound of someone else doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And you can sort of, yeah. Yeah, like inverse pee shyness. Like you like, hear yeah. one person pee and you just and like And there's let one it of them go. still on the branch. I just can't go when the scientist is down there with a the stick. <laughs> well, that's. <laughs> That's why they howl. It's, it's the sort of okay. noise. It's just it's like all a courtesy flush. It's, it's all pee yeah. shyness. Well, though, actually, it's funny. Like, we would always, you know, that's why we'd tie the Coke bottle to the end of a stick so we can, you know, hold it out and not get peed on. But there was always a monkey that, like, you you know, you'd be, think you have them all there and you're collecting the pee and it's going well. And then all of a sudden you hear, like, a little bit of a branch move above you and then they're peeing on you. There's always somebody who comes over to pee on you. Um, like, they, they actually, you think they know you're there and they're actually trying to assert well, some sort of. Uh, I mean, you can't really say that. Like, we right. don't know what they're thinking, but I mean, Come on. The chances of them moving over <laughs> the chances, to you yeah. To do I'm it. pretty sure it was fairly intentional. I mean, it's a great anti predator strategy, right? Like, something's well, down know. there, maybe might be doing something. Why not, you know, pee and poop on it and get rid of them pretty quickly? You might quickly. also tell them that you're there and alert them to your location. Well, right? you know, it's not know. like I'm already watching half of them pee and collecting it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is your 17 when you're doing this. Yeah, this is when I was 17. Do you think after a while the monkeys would think, okay, well, this hasn't scared him off? I think he might be into this. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sure. He is wearing chaps today, which is interesting because, <laughs> well, yeah, water sports, right. very popular. Right. Simeon. So that was when you were just, you weren't even in college yet. It was a high school No, this program. is high school, yeah. Oh, okay. It was a program to get, you know, high school students more interested in science by doing field work. It was pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was wasn't great. It trip? Wasn't it my high school? We visited the Goo Goo Cluster factory. <laughs> what is the Goo Goo Cluster? <laughs> it's in Nashville. Goo Goo Cluster. It stands for... Uh, Goo, the Goo Goo stands for Grand Ole Opry, okay. right? Because it's the official sponsor of the Grand Ole Opry. Okay. So that was basically, there was never any like person from like Harvard or someone like, hey, you want to get involved in NASA? It's like, you can work at the Goo Goo Cluster Factory. You want to make the Goo Goos? But what, what, you just, you, you, <laughs> what is, yes, what is a Goo Goo Cluster? Is it a cereal? It's like a marshmallow kit? nut bullshit thing. It's okay. a cluster. It's you know it's no one even like a turtle or like a moon like pie a turtle or like yeah a, like yeah. like no one even tried okay. and I remember looking at them and this was during the summer yeah I thought it was some like career training thing and they're like this is where the goo goo comes out of machine you want to go over there you get a complimentary goo goo on your way out you get a goo goo cluster and it's just like. <laughs> Do they put at least some packaging that associates it with country music? How do they make the Grand Ole Opry connection? The it's just called the Goo Goo Cluster. That's how it started. And then if you go to the Grand Ole Opry, it's like sponsored by oh, Goo Goo. Okay. Uh, um, so but I, yeah, I didn't get to I didn't go to go to Argentina or anything. <laughs> that was like the biggest. <laughs> that was the biggest outreach they had. We, we, we went to. We went to uh, did you ever go to Cedar Point? That's kind of a drive from Milwaukee, but the, uh, it uh, sounds familiar. Theme park in Sandusky, Ohio. The or amusement park. It's like a roller coaster park. Uh, no. And every spring they would close it off to everyone except for. Uh, physics classes, which would go and do quote unquote experiments, but it was just a, a day off for riding roller coasters. Seniors. Yeah, yeah. You, maybe you put a nickel on your knee and see if it flies up in the air on the drop on the demon drop, you know. But uh, there were, I can't even think of what our ex- experiment was. The whole thing was just a sham to get a free day on roller coasters, but with a science pretense to it. Yeah, still, yeah, yeah going to Argentina. It's not. It's not Argentina, certainly. Yeah, that's awesome. Sandusky, Ohio. So you get back, you do your senior year. Yeah, and then now you're like pretty focused. You're yeah. like, look, I got I got a taste of the pee. I want the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. I got I got one. You just you can't go back. Yeah, you can't go back. Um, so what's your next area? I mean, you got to get the degrees. You got to do the yeah. stuff. But when what's your next area that you want to move into? 
uh, at this point, at that point, no, at that point, yeah, yeah. at that point. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, w- I was pretty poor. I grew up in like inner city Milwaukee, which a lot of people would be like, oh, you know, inner city Milwaukee, what's that? But you know, it's it's sure, you know, we were it's poor. A city. It was pretty it's bad. A proper, it's a city, it's a proper place. And so, uh, you know, I didn't have a lot of money, so I went to the state school, uh, University of Wisconsin at Madison. Um, a great state school. It's though. a great yeah, state school. Yeah. Right yeah, and I, I paid, you know, like I paid almost nothing to go there by today's standards. So it was sure. fantastic, and I was lucky because it just randomly happens to have um, some really great primatologists there, mm-hmm. including like you know. Karen Stryer, who is my undergrad advisor, she's like the lady who wrote the book on literally the book on primate behavioral ecology that everybody uses as a textbook that I've taught with. And um, I also uh, worked very, very briefly in a, a marmoset lab. You know, marmosets, those little like little squirrel sized monkeys with like mohawks on the sides of their heads. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so I worked in Coffee lab. them off to midnight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that's great. The gremlins were actually modeled after them. Right. Really? Off of their faces. Yeah. Um, so the, you know, the little gremlin monkeys. And so I I worked with them very briefly. Um, but I didn't really like doing the lab work and like the stuff I was doing wasn't invasive, but I wanted to study them in the wild. So, um, after, you know, getting the zoology major, um, and the English major, which has nothing to do with this whatsoever. Um, you're well-spoken. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. You know know how to pronounce chimpanzee? (laughs) Unlike my (laughs) co-hosts. Co-hosts. <laughs> Unlike my co-hosts, um, yes, yeah. I mean, so after that point, you just you know apply to grad school. But I, I wanted to figure out if it was what I really wanted to do. So I figured, you know, I'm young. Um, you know, I liked the field work I did before, so I decided to move to Costa Rica for a year to be a field assistant on another project studying white-faced capuchin monkeys, and that was what really sealed the deal. Because it was basically a year of, uh, you know, living in a small town of like 2,000 people in a house full of like 15 other people around mm-hmm. my age, and every day we would go out to the forest from like five in the morning until seven at night, just following the monkeys and you know taking down all of the behaviors they were doing that were relevant to the project. So, uh, so, so I, that's, that's amazing. Now I would assume that the whole, what draws people to primatology in the first place, I mean, I know there's studies of every type of animal, but they are so genetically similar to humans. Yeah. Um, there's even a theory and it is just a theory. No, this this sounds crazy. I don't even know if I want (laughs) to, that we came from a kind of monkey. What, Matt? I'm not. I don't, I don't like what you're putting out there. I just. I am. I, I think it's important to say that I, it is just a theory, and there are other theories. I think we legally have to state that. Yeah. Well, I feel like you know you have a theory, and then you have to apply the scientific method, and there should be someone should have experimented with this at some yeah. point. Yeah. But for the moment, it's just a theory. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> have you guys ever driven through red states or red state-ish areas that have billboards that just have like a morphed image from a man to a chip a chip oh, to a chimpanzee? Yeah. And it just says like. Ain't nobody gonna make a monkey out of me. <laughs> like, right, has Bible verses, and, and then and then no, you're like, that's not, not even a monkey. Not even, it's not even yeah. a monkey. Ugh. And you're like, I don't think it counts as a refutation of science if you just don't want it to be like right. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just this is how I would rather it were. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't count as evidence. No, but, no, it's like you can't just not believe the evidence yeah, that exists. But but obviously there are more. Uh, far more similarities than than a lack thereof. Well, yeah, uh, and, and primates. I yeah, mean, exactly. We are primates. Homo sapiens yeah. are, are primates. So, um, so I would assume that, especially with the anthropology angle, that most of your studies would be 
stuff that could reflect on humans in some way. Yeah, I mean that's how you get that's how you get the funding. Like, now you already said honest, that these yeah. monkeys were in whiteface, so obviously doing a racial <laughs> sort of study. Yeah, yeah. it's like a kabuki theater thing. It's like no, it's like a, have overtones of that. You know, no, well, like they're still. I mean, this is Costa Rica. They're still doing like their minstrel face. Oh, okay. you know uh, what yeah. I mean? So they're yeah. still doing that, but. Um, so, so what was the uh, what were the experiments? What was the study? Uh, well, um, it was uh, through Susan Perry, who's actually a professor at uh, UCLA okay. in the anthropology department, and uh, this is a long term field study. It's been going on, I think, since 1990, early to mid 90s, so a very long time. And uh, she's studying basically the evolution of uh, cultural behavior in on human primates so like okay. a lot of people have this idea that the culture is kind of one of those things that makes humans really unique and different from the other animals but like mm-hmm. in reality we now know like that you know cultural traditions or biological traditions people sometimes call them because they don't want to call it culture this exists in non-human primates and in these capuchins they have certain behaviors um one called hand sniffing that they do where you know usually these capuchin monkeys these are the same monkeys like you know the the monkey that ross had on friends i was just gonna say what was its name yeah that's, that's marcel, marcel. Yeah. yeah so he's a white-faced capuchin so they're you know they're very intelligent animals and they're easily trained which is why they use them in you know movies and tv shows um but you know they're they're equally intelligent in their natural habitat like mm. this is where that intelligence evolved right. and um so these guys are usually pretty frenetic and running around, and uh, there's certain times where they just, like, get really, really quiet. And they'll, you know, sit across from each other, and you'll look a little closer and be like, what's going on? Like, it looks like they're all up in each other's faces. And then you notice that, you know, one of them has her finger shoved down the other guy's throat to the point where he's kind of gagging a little, and then she's what? taken his hand and shoved his finger all the way up into her eye socket, like, what? up to the third digit, and is pulling on it. And they both are, like, super blissed out, just kind of, like, relaxing <laughs> with their fingers in each other's faces. Yeah, I know. Like, we, it's, it's, like, it, it, it's, it's really in this, confusing. in this area. Or um, is it- it's it, yeah. Well, this is the interesting part. This is what makes us think it's like a cultural yeah. tradition instead of just something they do. You know, um, how did pyramids even get there, man? <laughs> <laughs> they built it by sticking their fingers in each other's faces. <laughs> um, no, they they. Uh, so you can see it in the the populations that we were studying. We studied yeah. three main groups at that time. Now they think they have like ten groups. Um, and in one of the groups, they had been doing it like five years before mm-hmm. in pairs just like that and you know certain pairs would do it in a certain way and it was pretty reliable um, and they would sometimes do it on their own just kind of you know they'd have some weird thing like they'd stick their hand behind their back or they would sit there with their finger in their own face and just get really quiet but uh, this group that had been doing it in pairs like the main female that was instigating the paired versions yeah. she died and then when she died, it's like they forgot how to do it in pairs. So they would only ever do it singularly. Aww. And then in another one of the groups, they were doing it in pairs and mainly because this one other female was instigating it. And so it kind of spread along her social network to these other monkeys that she was kind of... But did those those two spreading. different groups, did they evolve separately? Like, they did they have interactions with each other? Or was this something that happens simultaneously in more than one culture? Well, yeah, they they, they do have interactions with each other, but... You know, it's not of the type where, you know, you see it happening over the hill and then you do it. You know, this right. is this is it seemed to me, at least like, I don't know, I haven't I haven't read the studies that they've continued doing since I was there. Mm-hmm. But it seemed to me that they didn't um, quit it, man. Get out of there. <laughs> exactly. Get out. Well, you know, like I'm not I, interested. I, I'm still interested. I, I just haven't seen the papers come out yet. Um, like I know there's a grad student of hers that's working on it right now. So hopefully it'll come out soon. Um, but uh, it looks like it takes, you know, some practice to figure out how to have this. And, and there's this 
type of uh, this this hype hypothesis done by this guy, Israeli biologist named Zahavi, who says that um, the reason why they're possibly doing this, and this is what Susan Perry thinks to my understanding, is that, you know, sticking your finger into somebody else's eye socket up to your knuckle and then pulling on it, that requires a certain amount of trust, right? And (laughs) so, you know, like, so they're saying that this is like a Zahavian cue that they're using to kind of illustrate how close their bond is. And it's kind of ensuring that they have this really tight relationship. And so the idea is that if you see these individuals doing this with each other, then you can look at other aspects of socialization and see that it's carrying over. So if you start doing this with someone else, all of a sudden she's going to back you up in a fight instead of backing up, you know, the other guy. So, um, so it seems like a really costly signal. Another great example of this is in like certain baboons, they'll cup each other's scrota as a way of being like, Hey, you know, I could rip this off. I could rip this off, but I'm not. So we're friends, right? Wow, you know, so um, but nobody wanted to study if there might be some kind of sensory thing going on with the eye socket stimulation yeah, that might I thought feel those good. Were just yeah, the, I thought those were just the doctor baboons giving physicals. Yeah. <laughs> you, that could also, had this quite a bit, haven't you? Just thinking now, like again, just applying it to the humans that. Like, Can I we could. not apply this stuff to humans? Again, I don't like your theory from earlier. I'm and cupping it your balls. Me. Oh, I'm currently <laughs> cupping Jesse's balls, and yes, yeah. Right, here's the thing. Tenderly. Rip- Doing a kind of, I could injure you, but I'm not going to, mm-hmm. that could be just a demonstration of friend friendliness, but could it not also be a demonstration of dominance, but current currently friendly? Like, as in, I could, like, with a veiled threat behind it, I could do this at any point. If I wanted to, I could fucking hurt you. Like a headlock and a but noogie I'm, kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, like, I could hurt you, but I'm choosing not to. Like, ah, saved your life, that yeah. kind of, like... Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's a that's an alternate, alternative hypothesis you could test by looking mm. at the data. So, you, you know, what but you do... it sounds do, like this was mutual. This was mutual face face uh, molesting. Scrota cupping and face molesting. Yeah, yeah so what, I what mean, are, typically, what are the other yeah. data that do or don't back up? Back that up. Oh, well, this is the thing. Like, uh, you'd, I'd have to read the paper again. So, oh, sure. So, yeah. So, you know, I'm not. Now, I, I could make something up, but I'm not going you, to. <laughs> when you were doing this, are you guys just studying? Are you focusing on? Um, you said like two troops. Yeah, there were three different th- troops. Yeah, there were th- th- there were three at that time, and since then the troops uh, kind of split apart. Uh, you know, because sometimes like a lower ranked in the in capuchins at least, like the males disperse from their birth group. So when they hit, like, teenagers, they get really surly and weird, and so everybody kicks them out, and they, they run off to a new group. Okay. Um, and the females stay But then they join there. in a different group? They'll join a different group, if they can. Otherwise, they're just, you know, bachelor males roaming around alone. Do they usually do well with mates if they're alone, or they only get... Can they only... Can they only like, basically, do you have to be able to uh, be in a group to woo a female successfully? What is that insect that just landed on uh, a table? Uh, <laughs> the I don't know, but you just knocked it out of, of thin beetle. air. Basically, you just stunned it. <laughs> a that was a golden beetle. And, and then like you a, just fearlessly picked it up with your finger like a true field researcher. It's like a yeah, yeah. A lot worse. <laughs> what? Okay, go into that. What do you mean? You're a lot worse. Um, what happens out there? <laughs> what happens uh, in the field? Well, I'm, hey, guessing, I'm guessing in the jungle there are a fair few creatures that you want to be wary of. Yeah, yeah. Around. Um, Big and small. Yeah, th- th- some things have happened. Um, well, like, uh, I was in the Amazon for a while, and, um, you know, you'd be sleeping, and I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen a wood roach. Um, I have not. But, you know, they're they're about the size of the palm of your hand. Um, and they're, you know, they're cute. It's not like the roaches here, which are gross and fast and creepy. It's like, you know, these are big, slow trundling roaches that just kind of walk around and eat rotting wood. So like, they'll be all over the walls of the cabin that you're staying in. And one night I was like trying to sleep and all of a sudden one just like 
I don't know, I guess I got lazy and just let go of the wall and like plopped right on my forehead. <laughs> and it's not, it's just not gross. Like it's just a huge wood roach. It's kind of cute actually. Sure. Um, my, my field assistant, Mia, uh, one of my favorite people, uh, she actually, uh, she was there for like six months, and one day she was walking on her way to uh, the comedor, which is where we used to eat. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, we saw her on the trail just like freaking out and like ripping her pants off. And we're like, oh, man, what's going on with me today? And uh, it turns out um, that we'd seen a tarantula in our room earlier that night, and then it disappeared. And we were like, oh, I guess he, he just left. Uh, but in, instead of just leaving, he had like <laughs> crawled trustful. inside her pant leg and just kind of, you know, set up camp there. Sure. So she pulled on her pants, and then she started feeling really itchy because I don't know if, if you know but tarantulas actually have kind of fiberglass like hairs that they spray out when they're threatened um and it so itches once, so once she started to move around the, the tarantula naturally felt threatened by the by by the huge leg that was rubbing up against him the entire right. way that she was walking so yeah so there was a tarantula in her pants and uh like when i was working in africa it was a bit or was she the things were a bit you? bigger <laughs> <laughs> what is that in your pants um yeah in is Africa, that the female a... version <laughs> yeah. is, that, is that a tarantula in your pants are you just happy to... it's a little insulting <laughs> is that a smushed spider in your uh, bikini or are you just happy to see me <laughs> what is a opal <laughs> yeah. so what yeah. did you encounter in Africa um uh, yeah, a couple of things so um I was working at this uh game reserve uh and uh, so, you know, there was a lot of big game there. And mm-hmm. uh, one day we were, you know, driving down the street and the veterinarian, uh, or dirt road, I guess, the veterinarian noticed that there was a huge kudu buck that had uh, been trying to jump over this eight foot tall fence. And mm-hmm. he got his hoof caught in the top uh, line and he was just kind of laying on the ground. You can see him with his like, leg and kind of like And you're Googling what a kudu up. buck is right now. I just Googled kudu. What, it's got what, the curly antlers. It yeah. looks kind of like an impala kind of. Yeah, yeah. If you've uh, seen yeah. Princess Mononoke, it's like, it looks kind of like the thing that the guy wrote on that okay. movie. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so it's stuck in the fence. So it's stuck in the fence. It's just laying on the ground. And we're like, oh, the, you know, shit, is it dead? Like, what's going on? And so he's like, oh, park the car, park the car. So I parked the car. This is a veterinarian who's been working this game reserve for several years. So I was like, you know, I trust him. Let's mm-hmm. see what he's sure. And, um, I ranch in the pants. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> be the weirdest. It's much better. So he gets out of the car, and I, I kind of you know sidle out the door too. I've been driving, and um, he goes and he like releases the hoof, and as soon as he releases the hoof, this huge buck like leaps up and is like flying in midair towards the windshield of our truck. And this thing is so big, it would have totaled the truck, killed me and the guy in the front seat. Wow. And luckily, like, I freaked out and I jumped back in the truck and slammed the door. And this kudu heard the door slam, did this awesome, like, full body twist in midair. Matrix style. Yeah, exactly. It felt like slow motion. Landed on the ground and then leapt over this eight-foot fence and just kept running. Wow. So, like, there was that. And, and, then, and then there was that time with the lions. I mean, that was... That sure. was so, so what happened with the lions? The lions? So, Did you already hear this story I that I didn't. Uh, it's it's really embarrassing. So <laughs> so um you know I'm so leaving. there was a lion in the room in the morning and then it disappeared for a bit. I put on my pants. We saw Mia ripping her pants off and there was a lion. <laughs> yeah, no, this one this one was actually really scary. Uh, so we were driving around um, in the same game reserve and um, we had heard on the radio that there was a dead hippo. Uh, in the area like this female hippo had just kind of fallen over and died and, mm-hmm. and there's no carrion animals in this game reserve so it's just this dead hippo so it's like oh let's go see it because you know what would be more how, cool than seeing this bloated dead how hippo how are there no cam- uh, carrion animals is that just something that exists as the natural well, cycle of 
Well, you know, it's a it's a game reserve, so they set these up in regions that aren't necessarily uh, okay. You know, so sort of a, totally a slightly artificial, slightly artificial environment. Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, it's it's crew. It's it's not like we were in Kruger or anything. Right. So, but um, wouldn't maybe I don't know the definition of the word. Like, wouldn't uh, like vultures and things be considered? Or is it? Yeah. So there were no vultures in this area. It was like, it was they, too high altitude for it. I oh, think. I, okay. I think. Um, so. Um, since there's no carrying animals, it's like, oh, let's let's go check it out. And they said the lines hadn't gotten to it yet. So we went over and, you know, we checked it out. It was awesome. Like, it was swelling in the sun. And it was, like, so like, swollen. You know, hope it didn't explode swollen. on you. <laughs> well, yeah, no. It was, like, there was literally, like, juices from inside exploding out of little tiny awesome. holes Sounds in the awesome. yeah. I would have jacked it off right so there. It was so cool. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. that volcano experiment you made at school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, we thought it was really cool. We took some pictures. It was great. And then we went out, back off to work. And um, we heard a couple weeks later that the lions had gotten at it and like what would be more cool than seeing a half-eaten dead hippo right, right. that trumps just a yeah. swollen dead What's hippo any day million dollars dead hippo i do like the fact the idea that you know you're now professional biologists in the field and you're still operating on the level of like a ten-year-old. Hey, do you hear there's a there's a dead dog in the creek. Let's poke it with a stick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like... I mean, this is part of what makes the job worthwhile. Is you right, get to right. see these really cool things. And so, um, so I asked the vet. I was like, Oh my god, can we go? Can we go see this? This would be so awesome. And um, he's like, Oh yeah, you're right. And so they called to you know make sure the li- see if the lines were still in the area. They hadn't seen them. Sure, so sure. we we pull up. And you know, in a, in a, in the bush in Africa, like the biggest rule, and I'm going to say this right now, is mm-hmm. never get out of the truck. Never get out of the truck. And this is why. Okay. So I ask the veterinarian, is like, is it okay to get out of the truck? And he gets out of the truck. Again, he's been working for years. He goes around this the bushes. the second time this guy gets out of the truck. <laughs> yeah. I'm starting to question this veterinarian. <laughs> you know, it's, his, it's his profession. He knows, he knows what he's doing. He gets out of the truck all yeah, the time. So he gets out of the truck and he's going out and he's clapping around the bushes. And I'm like, why is he clapping? Is this the parent trap? Like, I mean, this is really weird. So he's clapping around the bushes and he, after a few minutes, he's like, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's okay. We can get out. We can look at it. And so we get out and we're like exclaiming about it. The, the hippo's carcass had been pulled around like a hundred and 80 degrees by the lions and this is like tons you know so it's yeah. crazy how strong these lions are half of its face had been eaten off they awesome. started they ate out the anus because that's where everybody starts because you know yeah, it's it the is. quickest route to the really juicy organs on the inside and uh so it animals just, prefer organs to to muscle do do animals that eat like you know it's a, it's a good question i don't like know, I mean, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I don't know actually. Um, it's not really my expertise, but no. like every time I've seen a dead carcass, the anus has been eaten out. Wow! Like one time when I was in Costa Rica, we found <laughs> a dead cow. Eat, see, I had a, I just domesticated cat. It would never eat out the anus. It was <laughs> it's like, well, I thought that was the whole point of putting the gerbil in there. Well, yeah. just the. I don't know. Cats tend to be awfully rough. <laughs> I mean, as we're about to find out, I think on a larger yeah, scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah so exactly. Keep, keep derailing the conversation. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, so at any rate, so the, it, it was even more amazingly awesome than I thought it would be. And we were walking around this hippo carcass, being like, "Oh, this is so gross! It's so amazing!" For like <laughs> ten or fifteen minutes. And um, so, like the last thing I want to do, of course, um, and this is this is where it reflects poorly. I mean, like I was on it. I was such a jackass. Like I was like, oh, let me get a picture next to the anus making a stinky face. <laughs> so sure. you got it. As you do. Like when as else a, am I going to be next guys. to a half-eaten hippo anus? Like Bay guard. Yeah. Smoking a cigarette, pointing to it with like finger guns. No, no, no. So, so, so I. This will be the final thing I need to get my doctorate. Yeah. 
<laughs> this picture will complete my life. Well, it might. It almost completed Flavor my life, this, actually. Professor. Yeah. So it, it was. It was really bad. So I, I crouched down next to this <laughs> anus, and and I didn't mention this, but there's you know a bush right next to the it's hippo a female hippo. and it's a female. Yeah. There's like a. a <laughs> not that kind of bush, but um, we uh uh. So I crouched down next to this anus and the face of the hippo is in, the, in this bush that we've been like stepping around because, it, you know, the body is right there. Sure. And so I crouch down and, you know, I make my little stinky face and my field assistant is about to take my picture. And all of a sudden from like two feet behind me, a lion roars. OK. <laughs> and like I didn't even think I didn't like there was no time to even process a reaction. I just ran. And that's the last thing you should do, because like if you run away mm. from a cat. Like, obviously, the first thing the cat wants to do is chase you and bat you down. But luckily, the vet was, like, super professional, like, very quick, like, ran up to, uh, ran towards the lion. And, uh, you know, nothing happened. But, of course, all of us were, like, horrified. Wait, why is that professional to run towards the lion? Because that, you know, that's, that will stop them from That asserts dominance or at least confuses them for a second. Well, you know, you're not prey if you're running towards the lion. Like, what runs towards the lion? Certainly not something that, that it eats necessarily. So is that a, is that a thing we should tell our listeners that they can take away from this? If a lion is nearby, you should run at it. Run at it rather than run towards. I wouldn't it or say stand if it's ground. nearby, but like if it's about to attack you, like you make why you know, not make yourself big, run towards it. Okay, or at least you know you know don't run onto it. You don't want to do that. Right, but like you don't run away. Is yes, the you point. don't want to run Assert into it. You don't want to run into its field of of attack. like personal yeah, space. Exactly, but you you do want to make it a point like I'm not running away from you because I'm not something for you I'm to not eat pray. Yeah. yeah exactly um so we did that and uh and you know the picture didn't turn out because, <laughs> because not even worth because it. my field assistant was freaked out and jumped we got a picture of the sky and uh yeah and so we got back in the truck and like we drove around the bushes and there were seven lions oh in God. those bushes that we'd been walking around like jackasses so like you know so I'm, they were all slowly creeping up on, on you guys? Well, no. I mean, they, they'd so probably get, eaten, and they were just, like, digesting their food. And then they're like, what the fuck are these so animals you, doing, when, like, playing the with our food? Thing, they were just, uh, were still eating. Yeah, I think I think that's... he was he would, They were still, like, laying there digesting. So do you so. get, like, PTSD during Pride Week? <laughs> so. Being attacked by all the hot men in West Hollywood. <laughs> Pride Week, that was, like, the most heavy-handed pun of all time. It was, but I'm proud of myself. I think I, that, like... I, I didn't, didn't even pick up on it. I didn't immediately either. And I was, okay. Yeah, Guys, Pride Week. Pride Lines. Pride Week. Pride That sounds amazing. Like, I, I realize uh, this is something that we have no expert... I mean, I'm not... We're not actually scientists, yeah, but we I studied some- engineering. Matt was a math major. So all of our stuff is theoretical at best. Maybe you have some labs, but there's never... Field work, and that's that's a thing. Oh no, that's no! My second so year, much. I went I went to a a, a number ranch. <laughs> a number ranch. <laughs> went to look at went to look at some uh, functions out in the wild. Excellent. Yeah, I heard that there was an eaten out anus of a number six. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't know because a quadratic equation just crept up on me at the last minute. <laughs> right. Wow. I'm just terrified of seven. You guys know why? Because <laughs> seven, eight, nine, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, kid seven. jokes. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna have like a, the weirdest twist on it. Nope. That's just that's it. No, seven, just eight, did it straight up. Seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Just straight <laughs> up. Just bringing it. No, but the, the field thing. I wonder how much of uh, well, for you, how much of the enjoyment of of your field of study is the actual experience of being in the field? Like, is that a thing that you uh, miss when you're not doing it? Yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting. It's uh, like that's definitely part of it. I mean, yeah. there, there's there's some people that that 
love the field and that's why they get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of people that ask me like how to get into my research and all they think about is the field work, which is obviously, you know, the wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. Cause like the theoretical stuff comes first. You have to have a research project that, you know, requires you to go to the field before you actually do it. Before you can start taking the insect anuses. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> right. um, You're like, hey, I've I've done the work. Yeah, I'm a professional. <laughs> this is what I get for I'm it. I'm a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> now, P.U., did you get it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you need to have the academics right, right. firmly the, in the, hand that before you go has got a it. fucked up dick. You, yeah. you, got, you got your camera? <laughs> Check out the check out the dick on the I have measured a lot of penises, actually. You what? I have measured a lot of vervet monkey How do you, penises. So a vervet monkey, first of all, what's the difference between old world and new world? Not like hip hop, but like monkeys. <laughs> like what's the difference between old world monkeys, new world monkeys? So it's actually really big, actually. Uh, so like new world monkeys, this is this group of primates called platyrines. Um, they kind of uh, magically appeared in the new world around presumably around 34 or so million years ago. Like the first fossil that we have of evidence of them is from 26 million years ago, this thing called Branicella. And we don't know how they got to the Americas because Africa was too far away. Um, Who even put them there? Uh, yeah, yeah. Do you ever look at it no, all? No. I mean, alien monkeys. We right? have no idea. Like them, there's, you know, like all of the caviomorph rodents, like pacas and agoutis um, and watsines, these crazy birds with claws on their wings. Like, you know, that the, the. Wait, wait, birds that are primates? No, no, no. These are just new world animals. These are just examples of new world sorry. animals that, like, originated. They, you know, evolved, their lineage evolved in Africa and okay. somehow they made it to the Americas okay. around. 34 million years ago um and the best idea we have is that they rafted over like on like this vegetation raft like you you guys saw life of pi yeah so like that big floating island like that's a thing that actually happens where mangroves like break off from the mainland and then they just float away with whatever animals are on them this is the best explanation we have do people find those still today yeah yeah it happens really yeah it does i want to find pictures that's that's amazing no i mean i don't know if you yeah i don't know if there are pictures of them but this is something that exists that's gonna be my new wikipedia obsession for a while okay Um, so so yeah these guys diverged from the lineage that led so that's because their appearance predate because there there was a point where the americas and africa were attached where the yeah but that was like long before 34 million years ago right that was a long long time earlier and at this point what what if though what if it wasn't and no one in the sciences had considered that. That would be pretty a sad. Podcast has solved an age. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Cushion of Salisbury has solved <laughs> the age-old question. You're like, like the if Pangea this is the episode never- that does that, do we have to edit out the dick jokes just so that they can be considered right, like, for, right. for science papers? But like, no one things. else had noticed that like South America and Africa kind of fit together. <laughs> like, I've noticed on a map that. Uh, Good God. <laughs> we, all, we all get Nobel Prizes. <laughs> We're the goodwill hunting of po- the janitors who just <laughs> right, like, right. night through it. Yeah. Wow. Okay, sorry. So, so New World, um, New World, so New World, 34 million years ago, but New World meaning uh, the Americas. All the primates we find in the Americas, yes. Okay. Um, and then Old World monkeys are all the, we call them catarines. These are all the primates that we find in Africa and Asia. Um, and they diverged from the platyrines. We don't really have a good fossil record for it, um, okay. but it was sometime uh, before 34 million years ago. Um, and that's about all we have. Because, you know, the fossil record's really spotty. It's hard to find things. We have some fossils that suggest 
the divergence of them, but we were just not sure. We don't have enough information. And at that same point, where is the best guess at man's uh, ancestor 34 million years ago? Again, I it was, don't like where you and Matt have been going. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was, it was we, we're, we are Catarines, so it was, you know, it's the same as, at that point, our last common ancestor is the same as the last common ancestor of um, old world monkeys, because okay. apes didn't diverge from the old world monkeys um, until much later. When, when, when did that happen? Um, you know, I, I really should know this because I just taught my undergrads this yesterday, literally. Uh, but I'm kind of blanking on it right now. Uh, I know you, that you are forgiven. I, uh, thank, you, forgiven. thank you, thank um, you. I mean, a long I, one. it's been a, it's been a long one. But it was it was uh, a bit later, like maybe okay. 16 million years ago, something okay. around there. Wow. Okay. So so apes apes split off after the New World monkeys became a thing. The uh, apes split off yeah, in Africa. Yeah, so, so like, yeah, that Catarine divergence happened before the, the ape old world monkey and ape divergence. Now, yes. I've always heard, <clears throat> and forgive me because I, I don't know anything about any of this, but um, the I've I've done a little bit of reading about like um, pre class societies, mm-hmm. like the before before the Fertile Crescent hunting gathering, you know, yada yada, and. Uh, but I thought that the the human the split off the human split off um, was during it was like not obviously not the last ice age because that was you know sort of humans were there for that a little bit but um, the one prior so much CO two was locked up in the ice that the jungle significantly shrank mm-hmm. and the weaker of the primates which eventually became the humans were sort of kicked out for lack of space. And sort of evolved from there. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say weaker. Uh, or, or was that literally like, did I just like overhear like AM radio at a bar? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. And the weaker primate became man, <laughs> and the revenge on the monkeys will take place. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I don't know. Like, man. I mean, I, I would love to say something more exact. Like, I'm going to get so much shit for that. No, no. Old world monkey ape divergence date from my colleagues because, you know, I really. I doubt you're going to get any shit. It's, just, all, it's just not my particular area of expertise but i do know that during the miocene um which is when apes like really took off uh they were killing it then they were killing it they were they were everywhere i know um there there was uh like you know a period of of things drying out and forests shrank and this is when we start seeing you know uh in the very late miocene this is when we start seeing kind of hominins like you know our human ancestors actually evolving is when uh, well, some more, of these apes more are, just bipedal movement and things. Yeah, like exactly that. bipedalism. This is this is the distinguishing trait that we have for human ancestors, like in hominins, is that uh, they have some bipedal traits. That's the only trait that really distinguishes hominins from okay. other apes. Um, and presumably this evolved because these forests contracted, and all of a sudden we've got this kind of forest savanna mosaic. And these so I was animals, totally right, is what you're saying. Well, I mean, I mean this <laughs> I is, totally it's, right. it's the weaker part that I'm taking umbrage with. <laughs> oh, I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah no, like okay. you can't really say you can't really say like they're the, weaker, therefore they got pushed over to this crappy savanna like, habitat. Less adapted to the new terrain. Yeah, they, they were less adapted to the new terrain. And then, but then, you know, over time they became better adapted to walking okay. across these Because I was imagining like a wonky battle in my head yeah. <laughs> where they were like, kicked out of the jungle and it was like a jungle but then immediately flat you know what I mean it was like just the edge of a tree <laughs> line yeah. it's like a dead so they just like down. fall on their ass on the savannah and they're like <laughs> you're it's out like, it's like getting thrown out of a club by a mountain yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or like the city walls right. <laughs> you're beyond it like this Do is no out. longer York <laughs> <laughs> right. and then they just sort of have to like and I also imagine them like 
it's not like through mutation. It's like they figure out how to like stand upright and like, okay, <laughs> like, like kind of walk, One start day, walking, yeah. <laughs> like almost sort of jack a little, just start, like, <laughs> and they're on two feet. You sort of hear like a back crack. <laughs> oh god! All right, all right, there let's it do is. it. Birth of a human. You missed right. Matt doing a pretty good werewolf transformation right Thank there. You. By the way, that was <laughs> that was. Or me, if you just look at my face. Oh, uh, <laughs> just five seconds in, all the time. So, Chris, you, you said that that specific thing isn't your area of study. What is it you are, you are now doing? Like, what is your direct area of oh, study yeah. and research? Uh, so, yeah, despite all my behavioral ecology work that I did, you know, prior to and during grad school, mm-hmm. um, the reason why I'm in L.A. right now is because I, I was doing a postdoc at, or postdoctoral research fellowship at UCLA. And uh, what I was doing there is um, learning functional genomics, so how to study the entire genome. Uh, not just particular genes. Um, and so my work now is actually um, I'm searching for uh, genes that are associated with obesogenic growth in vervet monkeys, um, which basically means, you know, growth trajectories that lead to you becoming obese as an adult. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for obesity genes, more or less. Um, no, I, I watched, um, I'd say five minutes of your lecture before I was too confused and had to have a nap. <laughs> but uh, I just got too confused. I just didn't know anything that was going on. Also, it was a weird camera angle where you could see like another professor like eat it, just eating hummus and pita. <laughs> like I just saw as, him as they want to do. Yeah. As they want to do. And he totally had like the khaki short shorts going. Oh yeah. And I was like, this is yeah. such like an anthropologist like <laughs> hangout. <laughs> like this is the most like primatologist crowd I've ever seen. <laughs> and he's just kind of like nodding, but he had he had like uh, the khaki vest with the flannel under it. Look yeah. at this. Look yeah. at this. Yeah. I know. Um, you got it going on right uniform. now. Awesome. <laughs> Good look. It's a great it's uniform. Um, so, it, yeah, explain all that, but like different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Let me see. So, um, first, you said the whole genome as opposed to individual genes. Yeah. So, so traditionally, when studying genetics, you're like looking for a particular gene, um, or you're studying the effect of a particular gene. With whole genome work, you're basically um, you have a, a trait that we call a phenotype. This is any visible trait that you can measure on an animal or a number of animals, like and like eye color, like eye or, color. Like, is this why you were measuring the penises? Uh. <laughs> Well, no, not technically, uh, but that is part of the same study. Not the obesity study, but... Uh, not the obesity, okay. But sorry. yeah, it's it's implicated in that. Um, but yeah, we, we could, like, if we had enough penises, we could look for a gene associated with penis. But you said like, you measured penises in the field. I did, yeah, yeah. Why? Well, um, well, in part to... Couldn't get enough of that junior year. Get enough huh? of that penis, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, uh, well, when we were in the field, so, okay, in the field, um, we, we were, like, moderately invasive, so we anesthetized the animals, we trapped them and anesthetized them, um, but uh, when we do this, like, we know that it's invasive, and we want it to be as worthwhile as possible, so we collect as many well, phenotypes as possible. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, no, no, no happy ending, <laughs> although I really wanted to collect semen, but there's, like, no way to collect it, like... Without getting your jaw ripped off? Well, yeah, you'd have to use... <laughs> Like, I, I looked into it. You have to use an electroejaculator, and I heard that they can kind of burn a little, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not about to do that. You're blowing all of our minds here. Yeah. You know, you, you know, can we get these on Amazon first Yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like you just, um, you stick it up the button, and it gives an electric charge to your prostate, and you ejaculate. Whoa. Before you buy those, go to the Amazon link on probablyscience.com, by the Put way. in the so offer code, probably bit, science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have yeah. a, a Squarespace-powered website. We do. I don't know if you have a website where you list your works. Uh, yeah, I, I do. Um, I'll just—I guess I'll put a link to it on the website because it's—it's a made-up word that I made up. So it's yeah, we'll, we'll, right. we'll put a link, and it's going to be we'll, easy to do because we have a Squarespace-powered. 
it's it could not be easier. Thank thankfully we have a, a website that is powered by Squarespace, which means that all of our I'm changes every are day. simple. We just do it's a simple <laughs> drab, drag and drop interface to make any changes to it. Uh, if you're building a new site, it couldn't be easier to just pick from a variety of beautiful templates that are already designed for These you. These templates have to hire are somebody the, else to do it for you. I thought I was looking. I was thinking, is that a, an original Van Gogh? No, it's a template it's a tem- for Squarespace. It's a template. For you. Yep. I know. We and did it. We did it in minutes, and you can give it a go as well. You can give it a go for free. You can I try it out for free. In, we clocked in at 35 seconds, actually. Yeah. That's what I timed. Just mm-hmm. making. I just website. I just dropped the computer on the floor, and when it landed, a website was there. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it was it was very easy, and if you get into any trouble, there's 24 seven support. Yep. We use it. You can try it for free. Use the offer code probably science, and you get a free 30-day trial, no credit card required. And then if you choose to purchase, and I'm sure you will, you get 10% off any purchase. And the free trial doesn't even require a credit card, as you said. So you get uh, a month of checking it out. And um, when you do buy, if you use the probably science offer code, it's 10% off. And uh, you totally worth it, guys. Yeah. Get into it. I think get I just said it. all the things you just said again. But you did, whatever. but, yes, but why not just hammer But in different words. <laughs> just in case. So you were saying... <laughs> yes, we're two... We're whole okay. genome study. You're, so whole genome study. So yes. um, rather than you know having a particular uh, gene that you're, you've already targeted, you're basically taking these phenotypes that you measure on tons of different individuals and looking for associations between those phenotypes with particular regions of the genome. Okay. Uh, and so you know this kind of like genome-wide association study... This is what people use to find complex traits, right? Mm-hmm. Those traits that have a lot of genes implicated that are very hard to find using traditional genetic methodologies. Could you give us a human example? Um, like height, for example. This is a very complex trait. There's tons of genes involved. They all kind of interact with each other. Um, hmm. And you, people have found genes that are implicated, but all of these genes contribute like a very small proportion of the variation in human height. And obesity is a similar one. This is why there's no like single obesity gene or single right. height gene. Which it's, I guess makes sense for something that's not uh, discrete. It's, yeah. not, it's a continuous con. Yeah, exactly. And wasn't height. that kind of like the bummer when the genome, the human genome was finally mapped? It's like, well, we did this, but it turns out it doesn't actually get us. It's not the magic no, bullet. It's a lot more complicated than we thought. Interrelated and then, so have we mapped the genomes also for, I'm sure if we could do humans, it's probably easier to do lesser can i say lesser is that insulting lesser uh, yeah no, less, lesser lesser implies some kind of valence to okay, the evolutionary okay. trajectory well, i mean you could say other primates other primates yeah. i'm assuming other primates are simpler genetically than we are or is that uh, not no, true no not necessarily damn it. um damn it, i mean they're just slightly different okay um, as far as number of genes but you should also there, you yeah. shouldn't have them as pets correct oh definitely not <laughs> no i mean because i mean we live in hollywood and we know lots of people like dude i'm getting a monkey oh uh, no, 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 like, no 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 I, no 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 <laughs> I've, I've known people that have wanted to get a monkey. No, no, no. They make horrible, horrible It's the worst, pets. right? Well, it's horrible for the primate, but it's horrible for the humans, too. I mean, sure. you heard about that lady in Long Island. Yeah. yeah got her face ripped off. Oh, that off. was the chimp lady? Oh, yeah. yeah. I know you can't chimp do chimps. Lady. I yeah. know chimps are like a no No, though. I mean, other primates, too. Like, um, but, yeah, even like... I mean, the, the problem is that, you know, they're not domesticated. So, like, they're, they're really cute before they hit puberty. And then yeah, when But that's they, when they always do the jaw ripping. Yeah, that's when they, yeah, the, yeah, that's that's when when they rip faces off. Just start a metal band. You want to melt some faces. When do they start stealing your jewelry? <laughs> Why do they do that? What, that's a thing, right? That is. When do oh, yeah. they do the three-card Monty uh, trick? When does that happen? <laughs> when do they look adorable in a bellboy costume? <laughs> Never. While lifting your wallet. <laughs> when does that happen? Sorry, I derailed. So uh, the, you're studying the genetic um, yeah. reasons for primate obesity. Yeah, uh, essentially. Yeah. Now, I did see in the, the beginning of your lecture, now, I assumed that the recent obesity epidemic was just human. I know. But it turns out animals are getting fatter too. Yeah, everything's getting fatter. So like humans that blew obviously my fucking mind. Yeah, and lab animals, pets, every everything is getting fatter. So some people have suggested that <laughs> That's it's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so some people think that it may be like 
something in the environment. Uh, I mean, we 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 don't obviously obviously we don't really. Are know. we spraying high fructose corn syrup into the jungles? Is that <laughs> happening? No, that's all. That's that was my go-to. That was my go-to explanation for obesity. Well, you know, because you know, the pleasing thing is, then you just go. Well, as long as I don't eat chunk food, yeah, then I'm fine. As long as I don't have high fructose corn syrup, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's it's as long as I only get the Mexican Coke and not the American <laughs> Coke, then exactly. I will that's never. It's pure cane weight. sugar. It's okay. Right. No. It's I mean, lime cane sugar. I mean, there's, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of environmental factors that might be going into it that we just don't know. About it. Interesting. And the guy wow. that first published this information, like, kind of went whole hog and was like, oh, I think it's something to do with, pollu- you know, environmental pollutants, but we're not sure about that. Like, it's becoming increasingly clear that uh, the microbiota that you have inside your gut has a role to play. So, mm-hmm. like, in people that are obese um, and some other animals that are obese as well, it's the ratio of two families of bacteria in your gut, like the ratio of them. I think we covered that when that paper came out. Uh, yeah, did I, think I remember that episode. That was a story. Yeah. 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 So like when when people become obese, this ratio um, kind of inverts itself. And then all of a sudden you become much more efficient at getting energy out of your food. So not only are you already obese, but everything you eat, you're getting more calories from it. Which your body thinks is a good thing. I mean, yeah, but it's it's. it's the opposite of what you think is good because yeah. it's storing it so you have but it. But if that's but the that case, if that bad. does turn out to be true, then redressing that balance of bacteria in the gut that becomes very would, possible. Well, yeah, right? well, would yeah, become you, a way to very to reduce weight. And, yeah, and people are trying this. It's called fe- fecal replacement. Oh, and there's your <laughs> talked about that. We part. did talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Okay, I've heard of fecal replacement being used for like certain auto right. autoimmune. Um, I've seen it in some German films. Yes, but, like also <laughs> autoimmune. There's like autoimmune conditions and. Where it's been used, yeah, like sort of various variants of Crohn's disease, like a specific yeah, version yeah. of Crohn's disease. But it, as it, yeah, as it turns out, in in lab animals like rats, um, fecal replacement is a way to lose or gain weight. Because uh, wow. if you completely wipe out the gut bacteria of an obese rat and put in the gut bacteria of a rat of average weight, then that obese rat starts losing weight. But is there any sign that points to a reason for this cross species change in the gut bacteria? Uh, I mean, that's, that's, know, what that's I, I don't know. Out. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure if anybody's even looking at that broad of a scale. But you're saying point. across uh, across how many different kinds of species is obesity happening? It's it's limited to primates, or you're saying? No, I mean we're seeing this in like domesticated animals as well, like yeah. farm animals. But that makes that's still influenced by us. And like, I'm yeah. curious if it's something that's happening on a worldwide scale in places that are less touched directly by humans. Yeah. No. I mean, like when I study primates in the wild, I very rarely see obese monkeys in the wild unless they are living in a human habited area where humans are giving them food or they have access to a trash dump um then you might see overweight animals so it is all our fault so it it is all our fault essentially (laughs) that's what seems to be happening i guess i could have assumed that how does that even like how how does that across the board increase happen um is that just being affected by the back being exposed to different bacterium Bacteria. I, that's the thing. I mean, we we don't really know. Don't like, know. this is one paper that I read that was published like late '90s, early '00s, and uh, I haven't seen any real follow up to it. Uh, so it's it's unclear, at least in so far as I've read. How soon uh, until we can buy someone else's poo online that will fix our fatness? Right. Isn't I mean, you can goal? you can already buy <laughs> someone else's poo. Yeah. <laughs> First. Um, but I don't know about for fixing, certain purposes. Yeah, yeah. Fixing the fatness. So. Uh, well, I just have to be honest with listeners. I just went and peed. No, well, what, what, what happens to talk? We were just talking about. I was asking whether um, this is a, tra- a trait that we're seeing in animals that are less directly touched by humans, and it turns out no, it's kind of limited to domesticated animals and to, to animals that are in our. We're the cause of all this. There isn't some universe. There isn't some worldwide. Uh, 
obesity epidemic in the wild with most animals, it sounds like, right? Yeah, in the yeah. wild, no, you don't see it, but it, in places well, and where I know that our, they're our, interacting with humans. So we're making, we're making, we're making everyone fat. Yeah. yeah. I know that our, um, I, as I understand it, we share quite the immune system with primates. Mm-hmm. Um, is, that, is that involved? Is this through... Could this be through the direct interaction and then that somehow carries on? I mean, mm, I mean yeah, no, I, I mean, I couldn't really say. I couldn't address that. But, um, I mean, there's other things that we know are implicated because our, our immune systems are somewhat similar, like, you know, the emergence of HIV and AIDS. Like, that's definitely something that we got from, you know, hunting primates and being exposed to their blood. And then, you know, we get SIV and it mutates in, in our bodies to become harmful to us and sure. that's how the AIDS epidemic happens so we, we know that there's crossover happening has that actually been traced now like I know that's been a long standing theory but has that has the actual yeah I mean the evidence is pretty clear um, like HIV 1 which is what most of the epidemic is is very closely related to the SIV that chimpanzees have HIV 2 which is like kind of a more slow burning HIV that's common in West Africa mm-hmm. that is from an HIV that you find or SIV that you find in sooty mangabees and there's a couple of other strains that we think are from other also, crossover the, the events. two different strains of HIV have evolved from two different strains of SIV two different crossover events yeah two different strains exactly oh, I didn't know that which, they, which is I think part of the reason why HIV 2 is so slow burning is because it comes from a primate whose uh, you know body is it's been separate evolutionarily for a much mm. longer period of time um, so it seems sensible to me that it would not be quite as efficient yeah, yeah. so to speak as as SIV chimpanzee has been so if that you're gonna sense. get the HIV you want num- you want two two is better but that's yeah. that's also a thing that I, uh, surprised me to find out fairly recently that there's two different strains of HIV so even if you're HIV positive if you you ha- you can't have unprotected sex with someone else's HIV positive because there's a risk that you have two different strains yeah, and you'll yeah. end up with both strains, which oh, is even worse. You, you can be multiply infected, and actually there there are websites now, like you know dating sites or hookup sites, that actually will you can say what strain of HIV you have, so that you can. I don't know what it's called, like zero matching or something like that, so that you don't cross it's infect no, each other. It, yeah, you're in the same boat basically. Yeah. Hmm. So. Speaking of all this human behavior stuff do you uh do you find that you come to realizations about human behavior based on things you've studied in your own work with primates do you do you think it's dangerous to apply too much of what you see there to our own behavior and culture i mean it's yeah like i mean one of the big things that we try not to do is anthropomorphize what we see um so like you know going the other way is is dangerous because you know you can come up with spurious conclusions about the behaviors you're seeing but yeah you can't help your brain no you can't can't help help pattern recognition it's got to be it's that's got to be very tough to do because primate behavior in general looks so human at times yeah i mean it is it is very difficult and and, um yeah like primatologists were dinged for a long time by their scientists like oh you know you just like fuzzy monkeys and you're like putting all these human traits on them so you have to be very vigilant about that but having said that like how dare you personify something with 98 percent of our dna (laughs) (laughs) what an asshole we share like you know like i don't know 50 or 60 percent with a banana so like right right right. i mean like talking about quantifying like uh, genetic a fair few bananas in my time (laughs) Uh, i know buddy they have appeal oh god I feel vindicated for my seven, eight, nine now. Jeez, <laughs> you know, I feel that's my this is my second banana joke on this pod <laughs> on this podcast. I came prepared, guys. I came that's prepared. Yeah. But like books, do like, monkeys actually like bananas? Everything likes bananas. 
every every creature. Yeah, everything likes bananas. They're delicious. Okay. It's a perfect yeah, food. It's perfect. Yeah. Fair enough. Why? How do you think that got out there as the in the zeitgeist is like that's the monkey food? Yeah, you know, I have no idea actually. Huh. Interesting. Uh, I mean, we were talking on the on the drive here, of course, how I recently. Uh, Ball just cried heavily at the end of the 2005 King Kong remake. Um, really? Yeah. I don't think I heard that. Okay. Well, no, you didn't. We're rooms away. You didn't hear it. Oh, I thought you said you were talking about that on the podcast recently. Uh, no, on the, the drive, drive over. Oh, on the drive. Okay. Sorry. No, dude. That I just watched the uh, the Peter Jackson King Kong. Hadn't seen it. Yeah. Just killed me, man. Really? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I just I I really connected. With I, I don't know. First of all, and a lot of people, I mean, there's photos of me on our website. I know you guys are looking at me right now. I have a brutal caveman brow. God, I could be cut like yourself a, some slack. Jesse. I could be like a. I relate to the gorillas, and I could be like a, a weird god to them. I'm scared to to meet them or work with them. They'll there could be legend of me in their gorilla communities where I just sort of just have to see three PO you up on their shoulders. Right? <laughs> no, exactly. Where I I sort of have to like take my clothes off and just disappear into the jungle. Yeah. That's what's going to happen to me one day. Um, you know, I've he's with his that. people now. Yeah. <laughs> he's back home. <laughs> Shh. It's where he belongs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I can easily just sort of adapt. Yeah. Um, so that's why you—that's why you cried at King Kong. Is I did, no, man. I just I, and you bring up a very valid point about sharing fifty percent of the DNA with the banana. Yeah. But I, when I read an article in Life Magazine about mountain gorilla poaching, and they show a dead mountain gorilla there, or you look at a baby mountain gorilla, or or a baby chimp or baby vervet, yeah. even it, yeah. you're like, that's a fucking person fuck off that's a person well you know in spain chimpanzees legally are persons what yeah they've been declared they have personhood so they have like human rights why did they have to do that that's uh, why their elections are so weird. <laughs> like, like it's just, it does seem strange though that spain where still yeah. one of the national sports is putting uh, putting sharp Very things through yeah. male cows. I mean, maybe we like need to. Maybe like, we should fact check this. But like, but that's yeah, also, I'm pretty sure it's Spain. But that's also why every election, thirty percent of the vote is for pudding. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you were it telling is, me in the. Oh, sorry. No, sorry, I was going to say. Like, is it also? Is it Spain as well? I and mean, where? Or is it? Where in Europe is it where they throw, like tomatoes? A, no, a goat or something out of a tower. Uh, is it a goat? goat out of a tower? It's an animal that gets mm, thrown out of I don't a tower. Oh, uh, weird. Yeah. I'll look that up know. while you but, guys but are yeah. you, you were telling this. me that not only do we personify primates, but they perhaps pri- primatify us. Yeah, possibly. I mean, when we habituate a primate group to study them in the wild, I mean, we're getting them used to our presence. But it's not like the, we use the same recognition system as these guys do. Like, we're all mm-hmm. very visually based. This has been part of our evolutionary we're social history. Groups. We live in social groups, like socialization, like being in a social group, you have adaptations that allow you to tell the difference between individuals. Yeah. And um, in a lot of these primates, it's, you know, through facial recognition, recognition of like body language. Um, and so, I mean, I have, you know, very little doubt that these guys are capable of telling the difference between one human and another if they're exposed to them long enough. Sure. Um, and it's actually uh, one of the dangerous parts of studying primates is if they get too habituated to you, you can actually put them in a lot of danger because if they get too close to you, there might be disease transmission or, of course. Um, you know, when I was studying those capuchins in Costa Rica, they got so used to us that like, you know, when other people would come in from outside, they wouldn't have the appropriate anti-predator response. Some of them got killed because, you know, some kids came in and 
took at him with a slingshot. Oh, uh, brutal. You know, they yeah. just thought like, oh, hey, it's the... Well, it's, it's more of the guys with the, guys. the poles and the bottles, uh, the empty Coke bottles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it didn't seem <laughs> like a Get ready to pee, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Get your dicks ready, boys. Yeah, um, uh, yeah this was... Um, it was banned in 2002, but until then, in Manganese de la Pol- uh, Polvorosa, which is a province of Zam- Zamora in Spain, uh, it was the fourth Sunday of January, they would throw a goat from the top of a church. Oh. And the crowd below would then catch the fallen goat with a canvas sheet. Which is the origin of the term, get your goat. When someone really bothers <laughs> you, yeah. they catch Go the goat you goat. threw out of the it tower. It was banned in 2002, yeah. and this year they threw a plush goat out of oh, the Okay, That's adorable. Yeah. Um, I, I realize we're getting short on time, but something that I've, I've been... I, I wish I'd brought up earlier so we could talk about... Like, I, I'd love to talk about people like Jane Goodall and Diane oh, yeah. Fossey more, but... Um, there's something in particular I find fascinating, which is uh, the Coco phenomenon. I don't know if that's something that you know like much about. Like Coco with the kitten type thing? Yeah, with the sign language. Gorilla. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Because there's been, people have been, uh, have, have, have been calling bullshit on whether this gorilla could actually speak sign language, right? Isn't okay. that, is yeah. there some controversy there or not? I don't know. Like, in my mind, I don't, I don't know if there is a controversy. Oh, I, I, I know, I I know the, that. Like I know the chimpanzee and the bonobo stuff a lot better, and in oh, okay. that case, like I'm pretty convinced, you know. Like, what do you mean that they can be taught sign language? Oh yeah, no, they they definitely can be taught sign language. Oh, well, didn't you also say chimpanzees? Uh, I, and I want to say this just because Andy, I know you'll love this, and so will you, Matt. You were telling me on the drive here about them uh, when they become humanized. You say that chimpanzees eventually, if spend if they spend enough time around humans, will prefer human porn. Yeah, this is something what? that I read. <laughs> yeah, so um, you know, I mean, think about it. Like, That's something we yeah we have. If a, if a chimpanzee is raised with humans and they you know develop around humans and like they're the people they interact with the most are humans, then you know when they get older they they sexualize humans because that's. You know, we're, it's not like we're that different. Okay. And these are, you know, the models that you're kind of modeling yourself after is mm. these people who are around you. Still get a little cheeky pinch of butt uh, or something. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah. When, that's when the, all the photos when they're smoking. These are like 1950s ad. Yeah. These, this is back in that day when, like, people were, you know, <laughs> raising chimps as humans in their homes. Uh, right. Um, and, yeah, I'd read somewhere that... Uh, that's that's a great citation. I read it somewhere right. that um, that yeah, like uh, it was impossible to get these chimps to sexualize each other because they'd grown up exclusively around humans. So they ex- they preferred human porn to chimpanzee porn. <laughs> they have a human fetish. Yeah, they have a human fetish. <laughs> essentially, so weird because I've always preferred chimp porn. And I've always wondered why. <laughs> this is crazy though because the trainer for Coco, uh, Francine Penny Patterson, mm-hmm. who. Um, like I was saying, I, I thought there was some controversy where she was kind of the person who who claimed she had access to what Coco was saying, and mm-hmm. sometimes it didn't make sense if someone else tried to interpret. But she was like, "Oh no, no!" When she says "apple, apple, nipple, kitten," she means uh, "good to see you." So I thought there was some kind that of sounds, bias yeah, there. That sounds suspicious. But again, I'm not going to try to claim expertise on that. I, I can say with certainty that there was a lawsuit over Coco the gorilla's nipple fetish. Uh, did you hear about this? <laughs> no. This is um, two former caretakers who refused to bear their breasts to a 300-pound sign language speaking gorilla named Coco have settled a lawsuit against the Gorilla Foundation. Um, so the trainer, yeah, she claimed that um, Coco wouldn't trust you until you'd shown her your nipples. <laughs> oh, so the wow. trainers had to show their breasts to Coco. Man, how did and that like, start? No, we're not going to do that. Um, the pair claimed that they were threatened that if they did not indulge Coco's nipple fetish, this is in quotes, their employment with the Gorilla Foundation would suffer. Uh, Alperin and Keller claimed that Francine Penny Patterson, the girl's longtime caretaker and president of the foundation, pressured them to expose their breasts as a way to bond with a 33-year-old female simian. On one such occasion, the lawsuit said, Patterson said, Coco, you see my nipples all the time. You're probably bored of my nipples. You need to see some new nipples. 
It does seem a little bit like little the suspect. trainer is projecting a certain yeah. thing onto the gorilla. Yeah. So you know nothing about that, though? No. Okay. okay. I didn't mean to spring that on you. I just wasn't hearing about that. I think it was interesting. I think that the, uh, despite all the trainer and, and who knows, I mean, yeah, I think I think we could maybe call bullshit on like, she knows 5,000 words or whatever, but it's like, there is like, there's video of her naming her cat ball because it <laughs> yeah. curls up like a ball. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, that that is like, that's a connection that you can see her make and do. Now, I don't think she's then carrying on perhaps this eloquent conversation about, um, and I've noticed it's a feline, and I like the, I like right. the way it feels when I do this, yeah. but she's like, oh, ball, because it curled up with her. And I'm like, okay, well, she knew the sign for that. She put that together. You can see that happen. Yeah. But I, I certainly think there's also a bit of a sideshow thing happening right. there. Yeah, and, yeah. You know. I mean, she's like a celebrity. She has, there's like, they've made movies. They've made a lot of money off movies about her. Yeah. Like, uh, did you see the Coco meets Robin Williams thing? Is that a real thing? Absolutely, it's a real thing. What? It was no, like a no. seri- there, If you go to Coco's website, Coco has her own website. There's a there's a series. <laughs> Powered by Squarespace. It should because be. even a monkey could build his website. <laughs> yeah, even, they make it that easy. When those monkeys get done typing that sonnet, <laughs> yeah. they can build this webpage. Here's the thing. Um, here's the trouble though. A, a, a monkey that has been raised amongst humans actually would prefer to see another human than a Robin Williams. Hey, <laughs> the arms are just too yeah. simian. <laughs> oh, good call, good call. Um, and I guess I guess we are about. Uh, you should you should watch the Coco talking about. We'll, we'll link to it on our site. Yeah. Um, and I guess I guess we are about out of time here. But I I do want to ask you, Chris, before we wrap yeah. up. Um, so coming up soon, you're taking your your findings because we were talking about the the obesity findings. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna take these back out to the field. Yeah, that's that's my goal. That's the uh, with funding and all. Yeah, that, yeah. Course. So um, yeah, once I find these, you know, obesogenic loci or genes, uh, what I ideally want to do. I mean, obviously, you can use these genes to kind of do uh, preventative medicine type things, translational research, we call it. When I hear fat um, genes, I just think of Jared from Subway. Holding up his fat genes. <laughs> we found the fat genes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, five dollar foot line. Come on down. Give me um, um, so Jarrah. yeah, oh, but yeah, but yeah. So my, what I'd like to do, since I have all this experience in field work, is uh, go back to South Africa, um, go back to the populations that I that I've already sampled, because um, we put little you know microchips, like you microchip your dog or your sure. cat, yeah. um, so we can retrap them again and know who they are and look at how they're developing. And what I'd like to do is look and see how these genes influence their development in different environments. And from that, we can get a better idea of how these, you know, obesogenic genes actually evolved. Because we have all these ideas about how humans evolved this propensity for obesity, but we've never really tested them in the wild. And that's, that's what I'd I would, like to do. I would do. love for you to show up and just in the middle of nowhere, the middle of the jungle in Uganda, there's just a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> That's <realize>. it. <laughs> Damn it. Ugh. How are they even getting here to work? <laughs> Seriously, like, just a quick question. You've microchipped the, a certain uh, number of animals out there. Mm-hmm. If another research group were to come across those animals and find your microchips, like, what mm-hmm. is there rules on like what you can like who has ownership of? Oh the- yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it can get a little dicey. Uh, like we we like to be collaborative mm-hmm. as scientists. We talk about collaboration a lot, but sometimes there's competing groups. Um, I mean, it's typically good form to ask permission to work at somebody else's field site. But in this case, we're you know we were trapping across Africa. Yeah, because uh, these animals presumably don't stay in the same place all the time. They move as a troop. Yeah, or- exactly. So like, if people wanted to take advantage of this and collaborate with us on that, that would be fantastic. Um, 
Um, but yeah, technically they could go and you know kind of do it themselves. But hopefully they would share that information with us. Yeah. But if they yeah. if they were to suddenly come across that troop and capture them. Would they then discover your microchip and go, and then realize, oh, shit, someone else has found them and then get in touch with you? How does it? Uh, yeah, hopefully. I mean, like, you'd have to have the right sensor to detect the chip. Right. Uh, and the odds of, like, another research group doing that exact same thing are actually probably pretty rare. Um, it wouldn't be able to detect just the presence of any chip at all. It would only detect... If yeah, you know, these are commercial products, so you have to have the right the sensor right, for the okay. right chip, yeah, you know? that makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay, I thought there'd be sort of a universal one, because like, so like any dog that gets stray and get, finds its way to the... Nah, to I the mean, animal you know, rescue, you'd want to be able to just scan it and it shows up universally. Ah, capitalism. <laughs> you got to have all these different companies competing with each other. Right, so. right. Wow. Um, but, but I mean, in addition to that, there's, you know, like, there's not that many primatologists in the world. There's like maybe 1,200 of us, 1,500. Right. So it's kind of like high school. Like, we all know each other. We all know, who, like, within the Vervet world, it's even smaller. Like, we all know who each other are and what we're working on. Mm-hmm. So, so wow. I mean, I would, I, if I, I would hear about it and we would talk and try to collaborate on it. Okay. Hopefully. Now, um, bef- before we before we wrap up here, um, what can people do if they if they want to? I'm asking the question that you say you get all the time. What can people do if they'd like to get involved with this type of research? Uh, yeah. This type of this this type of thing. Let's say there's uh, we do have a lot of student listeners. What w- what would someone do if they want to uh, get out there and get peed on? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot you can do. Um, <laughs> I mean, doing primate field work can be costly because usually when we take a field assistant, we push the cost over onto them because we don't have a lot of money. Like mm-hmm. you know, Congress wants to cut our budgets even further than they already have. So um, so usually when we take a, a field assistant, wait, we... is the is the science funding not good in America? Is that what? <laughs> no, no, no. It's oh. it's actually well... and it's. It's getting worse. Like Republicans, this a panel uh, just passed, you know, a resolution that they want to cut National Science Foundation budget by another something like fifty percent in oh. the specific area where I work. Uh, the um, oh, the defying God area. Well, the social, behavioral, and economic right. sciences. Any, yeah. any studies of violence or like anything that would defy God? Yeah, you, you want to uh, back so, out of that. Yeah, so it, it kind of sucks right now. So uh, yeah, so field assistants generally have to pay their own airfare. They have, to, and we usually will only take them for six months to a year because it takes that long to get good data out of them because the training takes a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we make them pay for themselves too because, like, I would say. I don't know, a quarter of the field assistants that we bring down after like a week realize they they really can't hack the isolation or the dangers of the field or even just being like constantly eaten by mosquitoes and ticks. Um, a lot of people think that they would love it, and then yeah. they get there and they're like, "Oh, this fucking sucks." I'm no, I, I can fully admit I would never be able to do it. That would yeah. be a nightmare to me. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, so, like, what I suggest to people that that really want to get into field work is like, you know, people are doing field work here in LA, right? You know, there's there's people tracking mountain lions. There's people, you know, studying bird behavior. I have a friend down in San Diego who studies the nesting patterns of birds, and he bas- he literally before sunrise picks through homeless camps to find the bird nests. Oh. So he's seen like a lot of naked homeless people counting the eggs of these birds to make sure that they're breeding appropriately. You know, um, so wow. you can actually find citizen science projects. They're Reminds called. when us three go to Beaver Patrol in Malibu. <laughs> We, we, they're going to misunderstand this because they they're going to think because Bieber has an alternate meet, meaning. But, but you're speaking you, of the you, animals. We've so got a, studying. No, I'm talking about when we go check out the dams. And, yeah, we, yeah. We're exactly. going, but our listeners are going to yeah, they're going to. Yeah, yeah, we've yeah. we've been through this many times, and we've had to recall a large number of T-shirts you've designed. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, no, because those shirts, I mean... People who buy those Beaver Patrol shirts think we're talking about a different thing than the animal, as it, as it turns out. The shirts have done great. I know, but it turns out I know out they've done great. I know, I know they've We've been very popular. literally a million of those shirts. shirts. <laughs> and I had no idea so many people were even wanted to get into the sciences, but that's yeah. great. People don't yeah. even understand Here's, the zoological Oh, uh, we're going to have to explain yeah. this again off air. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you're saying there there is a lot they can do without having to fought, without having to basically get yeah. their parents to subsidize yeah, a year yeah. living abroad. And I mean, yeah, we can even put links up for like local citizen science oh, hookups because yeah, uh, right. there are websites for this. You can and find them. And also, presumably, the way to get in is through the theoretical side of it as well. Yeah, of course. So, like, I mean, if, people, like from what you were saying earlier on, people sort of yeah. think that you could just jump straight into the field, but you've got to do the degree yeah, you have to do the, like the theoretical yeah. like it's not just you know i i talk like you know i've talked like oh it's so cool it's so cool but like you know you need to have like an actual vested academic interest you also like worked your ass off for years oh I, yeah I think, yeah you're... yeah my phd took six years like i paid for myself through undergrad for four i mean you know it it takes a while yeah sure yeah. but we can put up links we'll we'll get links we'll put them up on the website definitely yeah that'd be guys, if you work hard enough you can take a picture next to an eaten out anus. <laughs> that's, the, that's the lesson here. You can risk the most. You, you can risk life and limb to get that funny Reach that brass ring. So to speak, of, uh, yeah. Oh man! <laughs> Just how how would they explain that to your family back home? Yeah, oh, definitely, no, the, it would be a Darwin word for sure. It would be there's, horrible. There's the infamous Jane Goodall photo. She's kind of sneering at the half a whale dick. Uh, you know, every every, every great <laughs> primatologist has yeah, done this. Course. Everyone's got one. Yeah. Everyone's got one. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, apart Diane, from the Fossey, obviously uh, holding up her nose to the rhino vagina. <laughs> you guys yeah. remember that, of course. Yep. You guys remember that. Yep. It's a, it's a rite of passage, really, in the the primatology world. Uh, so. Apart from the links that we're going to put on our website, where can our listeners find out more about you and your work? Uh, well, I have uh, my professional website, which is evopropinquitus.net, and I know it's hard to spell. Say, say that one up. more time. Evopropinquitus. And what does that net. translate as? It is just a word I made up, like okay. propinquity near to That's evolution. Good marketing. Yes, That's good. good marketing, right? <laughs> um, and I also have a, a Tumblr blog, Things I Learned as a Field Biologist. You'll find the hippo story there. You'll find the kudu story with a picture of the kudu. So very oh, nice. Oh, there, yeah, it. it's nice. great. You can see the kudu with its hoof stuck to the fence. The thing which seconds later yes, nearly seconds later nearly demolished me. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can get some more kind of irreverent stories of what actually is like in the field. And that's that things website. I learned as a field biologist. Dot Tumblr. Uh, that would be evapropinquitus.tumblr.com. Okay. Yes. All right. So, Excellent. Thank we'll you so much for joining. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. All that. Christopher Schmidt. And um, you are soon leaving our LA area to do a postdoctoral at Berkeley. Yes, yes. At the Museum for, of Vertebrate Zoology. I've got a postdoc there uh, looking at the functional genomics of tooth eruption patterns. So when the teeth emerge out of the gums. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very wow. cool. Well, thank you so awesome, much. Man. Yeah. Thanks a million. Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been great. As always, to our listeners, any questions, comments, clarifications, probablyscience at gmail.com. You can tweet us at probablyscience. Leave nice comments on iTunes and uh, subscribe if you're not already subscribing. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Give the You can both rate the individual episodes and you can rate the podcast as a whole. And all of those ratings and things help us out. They do. You can donate mm-hmm. if you so choose. That helps us out even more through probablyscience.com. Use the iTunes link. Sorry, use the Amazon link if you're going to buy stuff. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Yeah, be, be nice to each other out there. Mm-hmm. Go yeah. do science. Go yeah. do go science. do some science. <laughs> we'll see you next week.